Hey, 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 how are you? I want to say good evening to you from wherever you're listening to this podcast. This is a lovely Monday evening right here in Benin City, South, South Nigeria, somewhere in West Africa. It's been a pretty rainy Monday today right here in Benin City, and it's a delight. It is all mine to come your way on thinking out loud. What am I thinking out loud about today? I'm thinking out loud about the situation that I started thinking out loud about about six days ago or so. And I made you a promise right from the get-go that we are going to try as much as possible to bring you a couple of episodes on the amnesty program being offered by the federal government of Nigeria to Boko Haram militants who have turned over a new leaf and also turned in their arms to the security agencies They've denounced peace, so they are taken into a nice little program set up by the federal government of Nigeria, which is called Operation Safe Corridor. It entails de-radicalizing the foot soldiers of the uh, terrorist group known as Boko Haram, and of course um, de-radicalizing them, reintegrating them, and re-socializing them, and letting them join in the general population again become friends of ours all over again. Now, the downside of that, it's, it's quite a number. Well, let me just quickly state here. Number one, these are guys that have killed a lot of people, brought so much devastation to many families uh, from the northeast of the country. Hundreds of thousands of Nigerians are now internally displaced persons and barely surviving on what is being offered through charity to the uh, the, the, the various camps that they have been created, the RDP camps that have been created to shelter for people who have been displaced by the horrors unleashed on them by the Boko Haram terrorist group, especially in the northeast of the country. And of course, some neighbors of ours in the northern part of Nigeria. Massive problem they have created. But the federal government has in place a nice little program known as Boy, Operation Safe Corridor. How do you allow people like that to walk the streets again with the rest of us? That's, that's a massive question right there. But however, we need to take a look at it. Are we doing this right? Are we not doing something we are going to regret? If not soon, maybe at some time later. Can we really trust these people to come back into the general population again? and be normal human beings again? These are big questions that I think the federal government of Nigeria and the authorities should answer. However, the United Nations General Assembly came up with what it is being described right now as the global best practices when it comes to launching counter-terrorism operations. It is pretty much like a need-to-do list, you know, kind of like almost a template that countries have a genuine terrorist issues to handle should adopt these these are particularly uh, interesting and um, very very humane conditions when you launch your counter-terrorism operations remember i told you right from the get-go also that um, we're going to make in, we're going to be making inferences to the state of israel a state that has actually survived so many onslaughts of terrorist attacks from their sworn enemies most of them, their next-door neighbors, starting from the Palestinians, or talking about Hamas, Hezbollah, 
just name them and of course all the other arab countries who are sharing border with the state of israel as we speak right now it's been particularly interesting that the state of israel has been able to wade through this situation and they have nothing to worry about just yet because they are holding on they're holding their line they're not letting go if you doubt their resolve attack them any time of the day any time of the year israel will retaliate fiercely and very very quickly now the whole idea is to discourage terrorist groups and mischief makers from toying with the state of israel and of course they're putting the citizens of that country in harm's way so the inferences we're going to make we're going to be making with the state of israel are actually inferences that um, we need to make because they are, as far as i am concerned and from what the records say they are the only nation on the face of the earth that has been able to get on top of the situation when it comes to wading off and retaliating terrorist attacks yes so the united nations give us global best practices the state of israel is doing good now the big question again is has the state of israel been following the global best practices in mountain or executing their counter-terrorism operations massive question that one right there which is why we're going to take a look at the relationship between the state of israel and that of the united nations the relationship between israel and the united nations is not something that one could have written a good song about because it's really never been here and there i mean it, it just doesn't make sense sometimes you know what i'm saying sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad sometimes it's okay sometimes it's not so good you know what i'm saying so that has been the relationship between the state of israel and of course the united nations now experts will tell you from the historical perspective that the relations between the state of israel and the and the united nations general assembly it's not be honkadori, okay? It's not be good, it's not be bad. But the experts will tell you, like I mentioned moments ago, that the relationship between Israel and the United Nations can be pretty much divided into three time frames. Now, the first one is between 1947 to 1955, which was marvelous between the two bodies. That's talking about Israel and the United Nations. It was characterized by reciprocal trust and fulfillment of mutual expectations. The second time frame is between 1956 to 1959, which was marked by constant crisis, mistrust, and hostility, which actually peaked with a 1975 General Assembly resolution equating Zionism with racism. Remember, Zionism and racism are two opposite poles now if the general assembly decided to actually you know uh, put it at par with racism that obviously must elicit some level of uh, disgust from the israeli point of view because they are the protagonist of zionism now the hostility escalated again at that point now, the salient uh, feature of the third period is 1990 to the present and counting. It's a process of um, normalization with ups and downs. Israel is increasingly regarded by UN members as part of the family of nations. 
the attitude towards Israel is still work in progress as a matter of fact though some people will say becoming more balanced that is neither here nor there now as recent as November 15 2019 the United Nations General Assembly's decolonization committee which includes the 193 member states of the United Nations adopted eight resolutions that singled out or condemned the state of Israel and zero on the rest of the world. The test condemned Israel for repressive measures against Syrian citizens in the Golan Heights, which is one of the points of hatred between Israel and the Palestinians, and by implication the Arab world also, amongst other issues of contention. Now, it was required that the, the mandate of, of corrupt UN Relief and Works Agency, uh, you know, the UNRWA, and renew the uh, uh, regulations of what is known as um, talks. The United Nations holds talks all the time, but apparently the United Nations cannot hold talks, or Israel cannot hold talks with the United Nations on human rights abuses and so on and so forth. That is a red flag, isn't it? You're not even obliged as a country to follow the global best practices in fighting terrorism or counter-terrorism, irrespective of the fact that you go after the supposed or alleged terrorist group, you go after them, you rout them, you destroy them, or you wreck them, if in the process you happen to flout all the known human rights um, abuses, all the known human rights provisions of the Constitution and of course the United Nations, now you have nothing to worry about because in reality you're not obliged to have some converse, that sort of conversation with the United Nations General Assembly. Therefore, Israel cannot participate in talks on human rights, uh, racism, and a number of other issues. Now, the Human Rights Council meets in Geneva, and of course, the big question you ask again, does the road to peace necessitate a UN bypass, and how might Israel be integrated in future UN projects? The answers to those questions somehow are blowing in the wind. I like to keep my podcast short and simple, which is why I'm going to say thank you so much for listening today's particular podcast. Thanks for letting me think out loud again. Thinking out loud is for me an amazing journey of you and I getting to know each other a bit better through my musings and my thinking out loud about the state of things in Nigeria and draw some inferences from other countries if I need to do so to make sure that the podcast is something that delivers what I said it would and will be delivering. Hopefully, not only today, right now, the days to come, and the future. Remember, part five is going to come along right after this one. When part five comes along, it will be great to have you check it out when I go Think it out loud on this particular issue, Boko Haram amnesty, the issues. Remember, 
do not fail to check it out. In just a couple of days, part five is going to be here. And until then, let me just quickly say this. I'm going to focus more. A lot will be said about the terrorist attacks that Israel has been able to withstand, defend, and launch counteroffensive. There are quite a number of terrorist attacks, really, that Israel has had to fight, you know, as a nation living right in the middle of sworn enemies. Feel me? So basically, that is what we are going to do, just so you know in reality how it has been with the state of Israel and how they have been able to get over the situation and come out tops and remain a top-class nation, which it is right there in the Middle East. Okay, until we meet again on the next podcast, I'm out of here. My name is Enzo Sazi.